There's another podcast you should be listening to, TED Health, a podcast from the TED Audio Collective. Join host Dr. Shoshana Ungerleiter as she introduces you to leading health experts and breaks down the health questions you didn't know you had. Learn more about the way your body works and the newest insights changing the medical world, like what a smart bra means for better heart health, three ways to prepare for the next pandemic, and how we can all live healthier lives. Find TED Health wherever you listen to podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. I'm Dr. Brian Goldman. This is White Coat Blackheart. Primary care in Canada is in crisis. An estimated 6.5 million Canadians don't have a family doctor, and those who do may find their access is extremely limited. Last fall, the Canadian Medical Association cited a survey of 4,000 health advocates in which two-thirds said access to primary care is their main priority for fixing Canadian health care. I'm on the road in Ottawa this week to visit a clinic that's quite adept at delivering primary care to patients, some who have very complex needs. And they're a kind of clinic that's been doing it for decades. Hi, Michelle. Hi, <laughs> Dr. Goldman. I'm Michelle Hirschbees. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you, too. Thank you for inviting me here. Thrilled to have you. Yeah, exciting. And as you're coming in with your bag, and people were like wondering if he was one of her clients with all of his bags organizing his stuff outside of the center. So that's not unusual. That's not unusual. In fact, you can see just down at the end, we actually have a bit of an encampment of someone who's down there with their shopping cart. And Oh, you mean people with in precarious housing? Yes. Got it. So come on in. This is Centertown Community Health Centre, a healthcare facility in a space that screams big box store. Located in downtown Ottawa, it's the healthcare hub for 15,000 clients of all stripes and all backgrounds. This is our main kind of open and reception area and in fact is uh, uh, this morning is a drop-in for our urban outreach, so people who are uh, street involved. Um, Over to this way, we actually have our early years program for families um, under the age of five. Our mental health support services are down this hallway here. Uh, We are now currently in the primary care space, uh, which is where all of our nurses and physicians are operating. The primary care clinic, 19 exam rooms where 220 family doctors plus nurse practitioners deliver family medicine to just under 6,000 patients. We recently renovated here in 2019, and so I'm going to take you in through here. This is this hub where we have all of the centralized nurses, physicians, nurse practitioners. It is in the central space in between all of our exam rooms. Michelle Hirtubis is the center's executive director. Since opening in 1969, they've assembled a team to meet the complex health and social needs of any client who shows up. And I mean any client. How do people get enrolled here? So it is a self-referral, uh, self-referral. So people come and they just call and say, I need a family physician and do you have any openings? And then you have a meeting about whether or not you should accept that patient on the basis of how complex they are. And if they're too complex, you say, well, sorry. No, in fact, if they are too complex, we say, yes, we are the place to serve you. Why? How? How are you able to do that? <laughs> well, I mean, I think one of the issues is that's actually what we're here for because, because our physicians are all on salary is one of the pieces that really helps with that so they can take the time that they need to be able to be with 
clients. Um, unfortunately, we are at maxed in our capacity. And so most people are calling us looking for a family physician. I heard you have doctors there. And, but when they come in, then they're like, I had no idea I can access all of these services. I was anxious to meet one of the center's clients. I'm, my name's Amanda Masia. I'm a patient at Centertown since 2000. Okay, I, if I cough, it's a smoker's cough. Okay. Amanda, who is 63, has type 2 diabetes, smokes cigarettes, and has foot problems. She has COPD and related sleep issues. She has epilepsy. She looks slim now, but for years dealt with obesity. She's on social assistance. In addition to all of that, Amanda had a rough childhood and was in and out of mental health facilities for much of her teens and 20s. Being accepted at the Centertown CHC back in 2000 helped turn her life around. Her family doctor here is Erin Hansen, who we'll meet in a bit. Amanda fits right in at Centertown, but might well be considered too complex for many family physicians. Had you ever been to, you know, a standard kind of family medicine, family practice clinic? Yeah, I was in private practice with other doctors, and believe me, I don't want to go back. Why not? They insulted me. When I left there, I was crying, and I said, I'll never go back, and I didn't. Insulted you? Can you say a little bit about, about what it was that was they, insulting? They just made comments about my body, like I was big back then, and I'm still big, but still, they made comments about my body. And it's not something a doctor should be doing, rude comments and asking questions, why are you like this, why are you like that? It's not a doctor I want to be hooked up with. But here at Centertown, you're accepted no matter what you are, how you look, and where you're from. What kind of things is Dr. Hansen helping you with? A lot. Like, I've got lung issues. She sends me to specialists. You've got COPD. Yeah. And I've got sleep problems, so she sent me for a sleep test. That's being settled. And it's all related to my COPD. So quitting smoking. There's a lot of programs here I'm using. And what? Like for my feet. Chiropodist. Thank you. Mm-hmm. I don't know that word. You're doing and fine. Diabetes. There's, um, she's helping with my epilepsy. All kinds of stuff. You have some very complex needs. Yeah, my parents left me all that. <laughs> That's all they left me. And and you also use mental health services here? Yeah. When I closed my file at the Royal Ottawa when I turned 40, it was with the agreement that my family doctor would take care of my meds, see me once a month, no matter what. So Dr. Hansen sees me once a month, and she has seen me throughout the whole COVID, in person, every month. So whether it's to see medical or just to talk, that's what I've got. And I'm so grateful. And, and they have walk-in social work I can use. Anytime you want, yeah. basically. Yeah. How available are they? Extremely available. Social work, you can hook up with. It's short-term, but it's available when you need it. When you, when you talk to a social worker, you just, you just talk about how you're doing and what your, what your immediate needs are, what the kind of crises you've been dealing with? Yeah, and they help me find solutions if I can't find it. You talked about the kind of reception you got from family doctors in private practice, how does that compare to what you get here? What do you, what do you get here that's different? It's totally different, no matter what. Like I've got, sometimes I can have a bad attitude, either when I walk in or when I call. I could be a real B. And I could call the next day and it, I'm totally different. I can apologize, but it's, they don't reject me. 
if I did that at the other doctor I can think of, it would be, no, we don't want you back here. You're totally rejected right away. But here it's totally different. Being angry is often a trigger for yeah. being kicked out. Yeah. Yeah. I think that a lot of that comes from the fact that in a lot of other practices, uh, the doctor might be stressed, you know, under time pressure, feeling like they've got to run to the next patient, the next patient here. What's the attitude here? Most of the time with Dr. Henson, I don't feel rushed. She takes that time. If you need to see somebody in a hurry, how quickly can you see them here? There's always somebody in the walk-in. It's very good. And when you see somebody in the walk-in, you feel like everybody's communicating with everybody, so it's, it's not like uh, you saw somebody who knew nothing about what your overall needs no, are. No, because if you see somebody in the walk-in, yeah, they talk to your family doctor right away about what's going on, and she talks to them. So it comes back to you like it was talking to your doctor. So it's teamwork they do. And that teamwork is very important to the success of this place, I guess. Exactly. Oh, there's three chairs. Brian, do you want this one? Sure, or? sure. Okay. Fine. Amanda's family physician here at Centertown is Dr. Aaron Hansen. Would you say that Amanda would qualify as somebody with complex needs? Absolutely. So Amanda is on a fixed income. Amanda has significant uh, medical and uh, mental health challenges. How challenging would it be for her to get the, the kind of care that she, the optimal care, health care that she would need in a standard kind of fee-for-service family practice? She could never get appropriate care in that model. Wow. That's a, that's a very dramatic statement. Can it's you a say, bold statement. I, I can qualify it, Brian. Go ahead. No other primary care model in Ontario has the breadth of allied health professionals working and being OHIP covered for clients and patients. So Amanda can access um, counseling services, OHIP covered, in a community health center. She can access stop smoking programs, and she can access registered dietitians to, to work on improving nutrition and improving control of diabetes, for example. And she's used all of those. She has used all of those, yes. And how would you say that has affected her, her outcome? How's she doing? She's doing amazing, but I think she has been able to thrive as a person who has a lot of medical and social complexity because of the type of care she's been able to receive at a community health center. How's the smoking going? Uh, down to about 15 a day. I went from two, four cartons to two cartons, and I went from two cartons to about a carton now. At the end of the month, I'm going cold turkey. With and who is your support with the Stop Smoking program Smoking here? cessation here is Laura Snow and, of course, everybody here. How many times have you tried to quit before here? I don't think I can count. It's got to be over 50. 50. Wow. Why do you think they weren't successful? I don't think I really wanted it as much as I do now. Right now, I really, really need to do this for myself, not anybody else. I need to do this for me because I was just told that if my oxygen goes two degrees lower, I'm on oxygen every day. And I don't want that. That's how my, my mom went. I don't want this for me. So now it's time to quit. I got a lot of support because smoking cessation is calling me and they're going to help me with the supplies at no cost, which is awesome because I can't afford it. I've got my mental space set up. And Dr. Henson's behind me. Senator John's behind me. I'm ready for this. The support I have here is strong. I wish you good luck with that. Thank you.
How much do you have to pay for the services that you get here? Nothing. HOAP covers it. And what are the things that they're covering that you think you might have to pay for outside? Uh, my feet. The, um, the insoles, I probably have to pay for that. There's probably some medication I'd have to pay. Probably, yeah, it probably cost me a lot more. How important is Centertown to helping you manage your uh, mental health issues? Very important because I was in the system, the Royal Ottawa, from 13 to 40. I spent a year in Brockville, and to have Centertown here is very, very important. It just helps to be able to talk to someone when you need it. We'll be right back. How do you forget your favorite person in the world? 30 years ago, my 14-year-old brother was killed by a speeding police car. And just a week or two after he died, I started to forget him. But what if I could get my memories back? I'm Alex McKinnon, and Sorry About the Kid is a new four-part series about what happens when trauma and memory collide. It felt like something was being torn out of my brain. Just somebody just tore a piece of flesh out. Sorry About the Kid is available now on CBC Listen and everywhere you get your podcasts. You're listening to White Coat Black Art. This week, could community health centers help fix the gap in primary care? They've been around for decades. Winnipeg's Mount Carmel Clinic was established in 1926. It's one of the first in the world. There's roughly 120 of these clinics across Canada. A big reason for their longevity and success is that they address the health needs of patients and the social factors that promote good health. Things like housing, access to green grocers, and social supports. Studies show that clients of community health centers have better control of their diabetes, are more likely to get cancer screening, and are less likely to need a visit to the ER. They're good for patients. I asked Dr. Hansen if they're good for family doctors. The community health center model of primary care has allowed me to thrive as a family doctor. And how many family doctors can say that in today's climate? Not at all. They say they're inundated with paperwork. Um, They are spending hours, you know, they spend many hours seeing patients in teeny tiny aliquots of time, like 5, 10, 12 minutes and like like a treadmill. Then they go home, have a quick bite to eat and do three or four hours of paperwork and they're all burning out. That's, have I got it right? You have it right. And guess what? That's not my life. And it's not my life as a family doctor because I am an employee of a community health center. You know, when you're in other types of funding models, at least in Ontario, whether that's a family health organization or a family health team, you are the business owner, which means you are saddled with things like human resource issues. Who's going to cover your mat leave? Who are you going to hire to cover vacation? I don't want to be a small business owner. I want to do what I was trained to do, which is to be a clinician. I can do that in this model. And I can do it in this model being well supported. And again, I'm speaking to the fact that we have such a breadth of allied health professionals at our fingertips to, to, to help us and our patients achieve their goals of care. So give me a, for instance, how does it work with you and a team? Uh, you know, I, I, I think that uh, in, a, in, a, in a family practice, in a, uh, you know, very often patient makes an appointment, client makes an appointment, and, and uh, the family physician tries to figure out what they're going to do, what they can do by themselves. You have this team. How does it work? Well, part of um, our primary care department, which is one of a few at this community health center, um, part of that is this incredible team of nurses. So if I need nursing support, 
I have it, which means I don't have to take my own vital signs. I don't have to give my own immunizations. Whereas in other models, unless you decide to give a bunch of your, your billings to pay overhead to include a nurse, you're doing those things. So one of the critical things that you do is, is triage, helping to figure out what the needs are, and then you, you have support in terms of what yeah. you can hand off. I can't emphasize enough how important having that support as a family doctor is. I don't know if you, you've heard of the concept of moral um, distress. Moral distress is from healthcare. Moral injury is actually from the military. Moral distress is when you're working in a system where your, your values can't align with the service you provide. I don't have that problem being in a community health center because if I see someone who is struggling with mental health or addiction, I can link them with services that are OHIP covered that can address those concerns. How would you describe the atmosphere here? Exceptional. I, I love the model. The cherry on top is the collegiality that exists between the folks that work at community health centers. And, and my work with the Trans Health Program has been some of the most rewarding work of my medical career, hands down. How so? It aligns with my values, and I feel like I'm really making a difference in a way that isn't particularly hard to the, the health of, of a community that faces barriers, and that, and that feels good. I don't know if you've thought about it here, what your prior experience was, but what do you think of the fact that basically patients aren't turned away here? That, that if they, if they want to come here, they can come here. They don't have to qualify. They don't have to be accepted by, by a physician. What do, you think of, what do you think of that? It represents to me the best of what Canadian healthcare is supposed to be, where everyone has access to good quality primary health care. And yet, you know, when, when we talk about, about compulsory enrollment, you know, the idea that in the same way that if you move into an area, your kids can, can go to that school that's in that catchment area, that you would have a home, you would have a primary care place where you can go because just because you live in that area. But that if you talk to family physicians in fee-for-service practice, they want the right to be able to determine their case mix and decide how much complexity they want, how, how many patients who have complexity, which means there's not a guaranteed place for every patient in that kind of a system. And, and they, that's the barrier of how they're funded. So, you know, there are several different funding models, but a lot of them are, are capitation-based in the province of Ontario, which means you get paid a certain amount of money per head in your practice per year, regardless of other factors that inform complexity. And we know that, that poverty, socioeconomic status, is one of the, the, the number one predictors of, of your health. You know, whether it's intentional or not, those models, you want to cherry pick people because um, you need to make a living. Those dilemmas are removed when you're working within a model like a community health center. Do you think your colleagues would be less burned out if they worked in a place like this? Yes, I do, because they would be spending a lot less time essentially running a business because they wouldn't be anymore. Do you feel you're well paid for what you do? Yes. I feel like I make good money. Yeah. So you think that this kind of a system could address a lot of the morale issues taking place in family medicine. Family medicine is, is you know, in some quarters is in the midst of an existential crisis. What do we do? How do we, how do we keep doing what we're doing? There's a, people are bailing out of longitude, what they call longitudinal uh, primary care, their office-based care, anything but that. And here you are. And here I am. And, it, and it's because I can focus on being a clinician and I'm a well-supported clinician 
given the breadth of the team I have surrounding me and my patients. It is a huge space. I'm just, I mean, we'll just pop down and see if there's anything happening actually in our community kitchen. Okay. Michelle Hurtubis, Executive Director of Centertown Community Health Center, is convinced that these clinics are good for family doctors and good for patients. She says they're also cost-effective. You think family physicians would be happier if they worked here? Certainly Dr. Hansen thinks so. Most of my family physicians, when we, once we've hired them, have stayed for a long time with us. We all have long-standing family physicians. Same with our nurse practitioners. They want to work in this model of care. They want to work with this team. And I have physicians who are on locum with us that if I had permanent positions, I could hire them tomorrow. How are you funded? Uh, so we are funded uh, largely by the Ministry of Health. We receive about 85% um, of our funding comes from the province. Uh, the rest of our funding comes from the municipality for some of our community programs and supports and services, and then through grants and funding and donations. And does the funding get increased uh, with inflation? So we have been frozen for the past 14 years and have not had a base budget increase in 14 years. So 0%. Uh, we have had some specific funding that has come through to address salary compensation. So our physicians are covered by the Ontario Medical Association's physician agreement. So why isn't this the norm? Why isn't this the way primary care is delivered in Canada using the community health the center model. I wish I knew. I'm stunned by it. I, I, I grew up in community health centers. I don't know. What do you think the barriers are? I think the barriers are that, uh, one, people think it's expensive and it's not. We've talked about that. Two, I think these, there is some messaging that I have heard that think that physicians don't want to work in these models and they do. Uh, three, I think that there is a, a lack of awareness. People don't know what it is like to get this kind of service. I am generally healthy, but when I'm not well, it's rarely also just one issue that's happening. So I have that opportunity to have my experiences heard, validated and provided with those other supports. I have heard from many of our clients here that have said, wow, the nurse practitioner was really responsive. I had a critical incident that happened and I called them and said that this had happened and they were then following up with me the next day to make sure that I was able to get in for an appointment. If you simply have a large number of complexities, if you're if you're the kind of patient who's not going to who can't be seen in seven to ten minutes, um, you're going to have trouble finding a primary well, care provider. You won't be able to find a family care provider. You will um, often be rostered as too complex for somebody to serve, that they don't have the expertise, that they don't have the supports, or if you are lucky to be able to get in. We've certainly heard the issues of I, I can only talk about one issue at a time and I'm having to make repeat appointments. I'm not being looked at like as my whole person. Bit of jargon, but what would wraparound services look like for, for somebody who mainly sees a family physician here? Well, it's our nurse, for example, calling them with the results from their lab work and saying here, you know, everything is normal, but this is a little bit high. Did you want to come in and discuss it with your nurse practitioner or family physician? It is noticing someone who maybe is pre-diabetic. So they've been generally well, but making sure that they are connected to our services, that it's our nurses, our social workers who are initiating that, not the patient themselves trying to figure out 
out and find out and say, well, what do you have for so me? So they're getting more navigation here. They're getting more navigation and more resources that are available, not just from us, but elsewhere in the community. You are not just a, a professional working here. You, as you've said, yeah. you've been a client of the community health center model for a long time. Can you yeah. say a little bit more about sure. that? I have a daughter who has complex health issues. She's on the autism spectrum. She has severe anxiety, severe OCD, severe depression. And uh, as a parent, I wanted, she's a young adult, wanted us to be able to be in a family practice that could provide her with those supports. And so for me, having that in a community health center was the way to go. She has a family physician. She has gotten connected with social work. Her family physician, when she's been low, has said, to her, you know what, you're now on my list of people I just need to see every six weeks because you bought them out and then it's too late when you come in because your depression and anxiety get so severe that then we're climbing out of a hole. As a parent and as someone who accesses those services myself, I know that I can call and get that support. I know that the physician knows my whole family, my daughter and I, and what's going on for us. Um, when I was struggling with depression, myself, I could go in and say I'm struggling. And I had somebody who said, yeah, you're dealing with a lot as a single parent and of a kid with complexity. And let's figure out what the plan is for you. Even though generally, I maybe see my family physician once a year, when I really needed it, there was somebody who had that whole context and could take the time with me in the moment. And I never felt rushed. The reality is, too, as I age, I'm not going to stay without any issues for the rest of my life. I'm going to have issues. And so I have a team that's going to be able to grow with me as a generally healthy person to if I have complexities, I know they're going to be able to be there to support me. And support clients like Amanda Masia, who we met earlier. It's different from the kind of mental health services you received before? It's not nice to be locked up on a ward. It's not nice to be locked up in a room. So yeah, to be free and to be able to come in and talk to somebody, it's a lot better. Yeah. And since you've come here, you haven't required involuntary admissions? I left Brockville January 5th, 1985. I haven't been hospitalized since psychiatrically. So, and since I've been coming to Centertown and hooked up every month with my family doctor, I haven't been to see a psychiatrist since, no. That's amazing. Yeah. I know it's hard to imagine, and maybe you don't want to, but where do you think you'd be if, if you didn't have Centertown backing you up? I'd be locked up somewhere. It's sad, but I would be. I don't want to think about it. Hey, I'm glad it's not that way for you. Yeah. I want to thank you for speaking with me. Very kind of you. You're welcome. Thank you for the opportunity. Yeah, yeah. he's at the front desk. Yeah, yeah, I'll talk to him real quick. All right. Access to primary care has been called the backbone of a functioning health care system. There have been calls for new fixes. Community health centers have been around for decades. Sometimes the best solutions are right in front of us. That's our show this week. If you'd like to comment, our email address is whitecoat at cbc.ca. White Coat Black Art was produced this week by Amina Zoffer with help from Stephanie Dubois and Isabel Gallant. Our digital producer is Ruby Buiza, and our senior producer is Colleen Ross. That's medicine from my side of the gurney. I'm Brian Goldman. See you next week.
For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.